This is our third session on 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, concerning the second coming. And the question we have now left over from our first two efforts to understand this text is whether here at the end, when it says, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them, those Christians who have died and been raised, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will forever be with the Lord. That's often called the rapture, and I've got no problem with that, rapture, R-A-P-T-U-R-E, because we are being raptured, snatched up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So he departed from the earth in the clouds, and the angel said he will return in like manner as you saw him go. So he returns in the clouds, and Paul says the saints who have died and those who are living will be caught up, raptured to meet the Lord in the air. And the question we're posing in this session is, Does this meeting in the air result in a return to heaven for seven years while a tribulation happens? This is called the tribulation, and a view exists that says the the Lord will descend, snatch up the church, take them back to heaven so they don't have to be on the earth during the great tribulation. And then seven years later, return a second second coming, or let's just say this is called the rapture and this is called the second coming, and there's a distance of seven years. Or does this mean we are caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and then we return, descend with him like a welcoming band while he establishes his throne on the earth? That's the question. So, Father, I pray now that you would grant textual, biblical faithfulness to us, and we would see the implications of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it would be good to read it again. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep, that you not grieve as others who have no hope. So the basic point of this text is encouragement and uh, helping people not grieve without hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring from the graves, raise up from the graves those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who, have, we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep, will not precede them into the the welcoming of the Lord as he descends. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first so that they don't miss out on anything. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them, all together, all believers from the past and the present will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet for a meeting of the Lord in the air. And so we will 
always be with the Lord. And let's just make sure we focus right here on the preciousness of this. The disagreements among Christians who believe that we will or won't be snatched and taken back to heaven or snatched up and then come back to earth, we all agree from this point on, we are with the Lord, which is the capstone of all our hopes. So let's be encouraged and not consider these differences of understanding here about the precise timing of how God establishes his kingdom to be worthy of driving us apart from each other. May it not be. So which is it? I've got several arguments for the fact that this rising to meet the Lord in the air results in his descending and our descending with him for the establishing of his kingdom rather than taking us out of a tribulation and back to heaven. We will have passed through all troubles when this happens. Here's my reasons. First, let me explain why some people believe that we will be snatched out of the world at this point. I asked a person one time, what's your most important verse to defend that view? And this is the verse he gave me. Because you have kept my word, Jesus says, about the patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial. So that's taken to mean I will snatch you out of the world when the hour of trial and tribulation comes on the world. It's coming on the whole world to try, test those who dwell on the earth. So we will be taken out of the world while this hour happens. Now, my response to that is keep you from does not necessarily mean escape out of, but rather protection through so that your faith is preserved, which is the way I would take it. There's nothing decisive here, it seems to me, to say that keep you from the hour of trial means keep you from going through the hour of trial, but rather keep you safe through the hour of trial, from the hour of trial, from the faith-destroying effects of the hour of trial is how I would understand it. But there you see one reason why people would say, no, Christians aren't going to go through that hour of trial. And another argument would be, well, yeah, we go through hours of trial, but not when the wrath of God is being poured out on the world. Well, look at 1 Peter 4, 17. It is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Judgment. This is God's judgment. It begins with the household of God. We should not have the mindset that when God undertakes to judge the world, the house of God escapes that judgment. It's different for us. It's purifying for us while it's punishment for the world. If it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who don't obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and sinner? Therefore, here's the way we to think about suffering. Let those who suffer according to God's will, if God wills your suffering, entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Christians are not promised to be spared from suffering, not even the final sufferings of tribulations at the end of the age. Now, here are my two arguments to, for you to consider. When it says that we are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them, this word meet is really a noun, and to meet means for a meeting, 
for an apantecine. That word is used only two other places in the New Testament, in exactly this form, ace apantecine. Here's one of them. This is Matthew 25, 1 to 10, the parable of the virgins. The kingdom of heaven will be compared to, to ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Not, not that word, meet. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. Now, this is a picture of the second coming. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And there's, there it is. Exactly the phrase. Come out for a meeting to him. And then verse 10. And while they were going, these foolish virgins going to get oil, while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him. So the picture is the bridegroom is coming the, for a meeting. They go out to meet him, and then they turn around and come back with him and welcome him in to the marriage feast. That's the picture, I believe, that we're supposed to have in our mind here. Rise to meet for a meeting of the Lord in the air, and then come with him in the establishment of his kingdom. Here's the other use of that word in Acts 28. 14 and 15. So we came to Rome, Paul and his band, and the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of Apius and three taverns to meet, literally, for a meeting, same phrase, for a meeting of us. On seeing them, Paul thanked and took good courage, and then they went back into Rome. So they came out to meet him for a meeting, and then they went, they came, he was coming into Rome, they came out to meet him, turned around, and went back in. So the the two, the only two other places where this word occurs, it has the meeting, the meaning of going out to meet someone in order to welcome them back in. That's, I think, the meaning here. And here, I think, is a more decisive argument. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians and see how Paul understands the second coming. God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. So he's talking about their situation, not a, not a situation after they're taken back to heaven. He's going to afflict those who afflict them and to grant relief to you who are afflicted. So they're living right now, and, and they're being afflicted. How will this relief come to them? When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Now, virtually everybody agrees this is not a secret rapture where Christians are snatched back to heaven. This is the judgment at the final second coming where he brings punishment upon the earth, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony was believed. So what he's saying here is 
This coming in flaming fire has two effects. One, he's going to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and he's going to give relief to you who are afflicted. There is no place in this coming for these folks to be taken back to heaven. These folks are on the earth, and they're talking about you, you who are here right now in Thessalonica, not those people who might get saved in the tribulation later. These are, these are people who are being tormented right now, and he says, the Lord Jesus Christ may come, and when he comes, it will mean affliction for those who are afflicting you, and it will mean relief to you. So, the best I can see is that there is no reason to believe that the next coming of the Lord Jesus into this world is a snatching of the saints together with those who had died into the clouds to return to heaven, but rather a snatching up together with those who had died to meet the Lord in the air and return with him triumphantly as he establishes his kingdom on the earth. And with that, we are to encourage one another mightily with these words.